Right. So uh, we're going to stand by and I'm going to go to just one second here. Move this. Go to apps. This. And live on Facebook. Okay, great. So getting in there. Start up my video. Stop this. Our next guest in the breakout room is an author, speaker, and master in professional communication. An expert in collaboration and has run workshops for thousands of people in 12 countries over 20 years. He consults with Fortune 500 companies to help them achieve better, smarter outcomes from more effective internal and external relationships. This is our guest. His name is Peter. publication, Labradabra, The Magic of Collaborative Conversations. It highlights the six moments that matter to maximize collaborative outcomes one conversation at a time. This is his publication. So let's welcome live in the breakout room. This fascinating collaborator and communicator, Matt Anton. So we are live in the breakout room, and we have the man Peter Anthony, and he is with us. Peter, how are you doing? Good, Andy. Very well. Good morning from Sydney, Australia. I've just yeah. had a I swim in the ocean, uh, which I do most mornings. So I'm, I'm all charged up. It's, it's the best way to start the day: dive in the Great. ocean and swim with some friends. Great, wonderful to have you in the breakout room, and you are somewhat of a, a magician, in terms of the term, <laughs> the term that you use uh, for your book. But we're gonna get into that in a little bit, Peter. I'm looking at your information here. And it says, as an introverted six-year-old, my mother insisted I came out of my bedroom to talk to my Uncle Harry and his family. <laughs> we just want you to share a little bit with us what it was like as a young man, Peter Anthony, growing up with your family, with your parents and your uncle and stuff. What was that like for you? Uh, it was uh, Initially, it was a, a nightmare, Andy, because I was, wow. as you just mentioned, I, I was a very introverted kid. And and all I really wanted to do was to get home from school. On my on my walk home from the school I went to, uh, there was a small library. I'd go to the library. I'd get a couple of books out. I'd come home and I'd just start reading. And I used to read like nights, weekends, and I, I just loved being absorbed in stories and in books. 
And my mother came from a family of a very large Irish Catholic family. There were she had uh, lots of brothers and sisters, nine in fact. Uh, and one of them, uh, her her brother Harry, would come over regularly on weekends on Sundays. My mother would cook lunch for him and his family, and it was a, it was a great occasion. But but I didn't join them because I just wanted to read my books. And my mother's mission was to get me out of my bedroom and and talking to my my uncle. And I said, Mum, I don't want to do that. I, I just you know I just want to be alone. Want to read my books. I, I wasn't uh, didn't want to get engaged. In, in that uh, in in that conversation, she encouraged me to come. She said, "Look, just just ask your uncle Harry questions. Just ask him questions." And I came out of my room. I, I had had lunch with them, and I just asked Harry questions. I said, "Harry, I I heard you were a, a lumberjack in the in the bush here in Australia. What was that like?" And he he told me awesome stories, Andy, uh, okay. about the Australian bush and being a lumberjack and. Uh, and he was hilarious. Uh, he's a, an awesome individual uh, to listen to. And that was that was the beginning of my understanding of of how uh, having conversations is uh, is a, is an essential and crucial part of life. Yeah. And I learned then uh, that uh, if I just ask questions of people, no matter how introverted I was, they'd give me answers, right? Okay. And uh, that began me on that. That that's where that's where this whole career began. I didn't realize it then. As an introverted six-year-old, I end up uh, traveling the world talking about this. Uh -huh. But that was where it all started. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, Peter. Uh, you ended up working at IBM. And, yes. Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> how did that happen? Well, that was all about money, unfortunately. Ah. Uh, that was all. That was all about money. I did a. I did a uh, economics degree uh, okay. at um, at Sydney University or at college. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the three years, they have another thing called Careers Week, where all the employers come on campus, and they interview, and you, you get a chance to meet the employers and uh, and see whether you wanted to work for them. And I, I was thinking I'd be a stockbroker or I'd work for a big consulting firm. And we could see 20 employers, uh, and uh, one of them towards the end of my list was IBM. I thought, I wouldn't join IBM. I don't know nothing about computers. Uh, I'm not IT literate at all. Yeah. Uh, but I, I met them. I met them, and I talked to them. I said, I'll come to a second interview. And they were offering uh, three times yeah. as much money as any other alternative. Okay. Uh, I got a I, I got a, I got a year of sales training, one uh -huh. year of training. Wow! Uh, and and a car. Right? <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll take the year of training. I'll take yeah. the three times salary. I'll take the car. Yeah. And and I'll learn to sell from IBM. I thought, well, that's going to be a great uh, benefit. Mm -hmm. So I decided to join them. Right. Uh, and uh, I was there for five years in total. Uh, and something interesting happened then too, Andy. It was really quite bizarre because I mentioned they gave us a year of training. Like yeah. it was a, we had a we had like a series of, of workshops on selling mm -hmm. and and periods in the uh in the office. I was given a mentor, a senior salesperson okay. to, to look after me. And yeah. I I learned from him about what this was about. But the, the bizarre thing that happened, Andy, was that um in the beginning I was selling a lot. Okay. And what I found was the more I'd learned how to sell, the less uh -huh. I sold. 
Oh, wow. Interesting. The, the more I learned all the techniques and the mm -hmm. opening questions and the closing questions and the rapport building and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And we, we used to get videoed and get video feedback. And the more I followed their structure, the less I sold. But I noticed my mentor, who was a very successful senior salesperson yeah. and, and an yeah. awesome person, Rod, I noticed he, he wasn't following these techniques either. Okay. I thought this is weird. I mean, this is, I'm selling more by not selling. Right. And, and so set up a, a weird thing in my brain thinking, what's going on? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, surely the selling stuff works, but it didn't. It, it didn't work. And that, that began, I, I guess, the second stage of this was thinking about, okay, I'm really keen to build commercial relationships. I'm really keen to offer people value and, uh, and help improve what's going on for them, no matter what I'm selling. Then I was selling computers, yeah. uh, whether you're selling computers or cars or IT systems or photocopies, or whatever it might be. You think, well, I'm looking towards engaging in a commercial relationship. And we all know that traditional selling doesn't work. It's true. It, it's, right. it, it, it's, yeah. it, it's contrived. It's fake. You're using all these like power closing techniques. Yeah. And it creates distance between you and the person you're attempting to sell to. It does. And it makes them cynical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you feel like you, when you feel like you're being sold to, what happens? You feel I don't like this. I'm I'm going to pull back. I'm going to try and get lower prices. So, if, if the person feels like you're selling to them, you're making the sale harder to mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. Actually, yes. And we all feel this way, right? You yeah, all yeah. feel this way. You don't like selling. You don't like being sold to. So I thought, well, what do I do? What's what's the alternative to this? And that question I asked then led me on the journey to where I am now, uh -huh. which is which is teaching unselling. Right. Okay. Great. I'm glad that you you you're going there, Peter, because you have done this for over twenty years. That's quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And you have traveled yeah, yeah. to over twelve countries. Yes. Now, what is the main focus then that you have found that level of success with, um, with regards to the market potential? Forget the selling. We're talking about having collaborative conversations where people are more focused on enjoying the value of what you're bringing to them rather than looking to buy something. So Exactly. exactly. Right. So how did you do it? How did you reach to that stage where it became a product that's so much in demand that you could travel over 12 countries for 20 years. <laughs> and still going strong. Andy. Right, still, exactly. And still going strong. Well, uh, the, the, the secret, what I realised, what I uh -huh. realised was that um, if selling doesn't work, what does? I understood intuitively that a collaborative relationship right. is what works best. Okay. I, I studied this, I developed workshops in this, mm -hmm. and I, I call it Collaborate It rhymes with Abracadabra, right. the magic of a collaborative conversation. That's what I was talking and, about earlier, the magical part of you. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's magic because magic does happen when, when you do it properly. Do you think, well, my intention is to collaborate. I make that really open. Mm -hmm. My intention is to be authentic and genuinely me. Right. And my, my intention is to be optimistic. So I believe that we can achieve 
better outcomes for both of us when we collaborate. And all the research says the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you look at any any longer-term relationship, and yeah. I'm assuming a commercial relationship is a longer-term relationship, right. you're both better off when you collaborate. That's you and them. So, they're, okay, I, I get that. I get that. So the next question becomes, well, how do I do that? So <laughs> if I want to have a collaborative conversation, how do I go about doing that? So I, I, I studied this very closely and through working in these 12 countries with thousands of people, mm -hmm. uh, I developed this collaborative approach and I wrote a book on it. All right. Uh, to, to explain to explain how it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so Peter, tell us, what are some of the traditional barriers that people would face from time to time, the challenges that would uh, uh, deny them the opportunity to have uh, collaborative conversations? Is it limiting beliefs? Is it culture? Is it what? What What are some of the things that could be yeah. barriers? Yeah, I, yeah I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's certainly limited. It's also cultural pieces too, because uh -huh. some cultures are more in, introverted than others, particularly right. some, some of the Asian cultures I've worked in. Like I've worked in China, I've worked in South Korea, mm -hmm. uh, I've worked in, in, uh, in Hong Kong and Singapore. And, and, some cultures are more in, like more reserved and more introverted and more shy, if you like. Right. Uh, there are cult cultural aspects to this, but there's, there's also there's also a um, a false narrative that we've been told mm -hmm. that that uh, that uh, that if we're in a sales relationship, we need to win something. Like okay. the, the, the the more that we can we can we like this fake it toy make it thing. This thing mm -hmm. that. Uh, I, I need to be this shiny, fake it till you make it, yeah. always be closing, bell ringing salesperson. And yeah. in fact, that's a myth. It's it's, and we know it's a myth. It doesn't it doesn't work. What we do know works, and this is the essence of the evolutionary spirit too. Mm -hmm. We know we feel good by doing well. We know we feel good in great relationships, and we know we want to do the right thing by the people we're talking to. Now. Uh, what what that does is it opens up a different level of relationship with the people that you you're in a commercial relationship okay. with because because they can feel this collaborative spirit coming from you. Right, great. Yeah. So Peter, thinking about it, we we're looking at that from a, a, a commercialized point of view. Can yes. some of these collaborative techniques also work in personal relationships? Your spouse, oh. business partner. Yeah. I, absolutely, there is a there is an awesome individual in uh, in the US called John Gottman. He runs what he calls the Love Lab okay. at University of Washington, and and he talks about a, a, a personal and romantic relationship being a conversation. He sits people on couches, uh, in couples and couches in in Washington. Mm -hmm. He 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 records them talking to each other about anything, talking about the dog, lemon yeah. trees, yeah. kids, anything at all. He content analyzes the conversation and okay. he can predict uh, whether that relationship is going to be successful or not I'm just not. based on the conversation yeah. and nothing else, just okay. how they're talking to each other. Yeah. That's very and, interesting. And he, and he teaches people uh -huh. to have better relationships by having better conversations. He calls right. them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. Like things like stonewalling, defensiveness, criticism. And he, he says... If you continue talking to each other this way, your relationship is doomed. Okay. So you can keep it doomed or you can change it. And he teaches people 
their better romantic relationships based on their conversations, which is awesome. So it, it, I mean, it is, it is the essence of who we are. In, in, in my mind, a relationship is the conversation. It is the best marker for how well that converse, that relationship is going. Personal friendships, romantic relationships, commercial relationships, it's all about the conversation. And that's the, the main message I'd like to leave with you guys is it's all uh, the quality of your relationships is the quality of your conversation. So let's have more of them and let's get them right. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Peter. That sounds inspiring. Now, let's, let's just suppose hypothetically that someone has uh, the opportunity to reach out for a business deal, let's say in some far parts of the, the Far East, You've been to Singapore and these places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cultural barrier, of course, that exists. What are some yeah. of the techniques or advice, practical advice that you would give such an individual that they would be able to better manage the level of collaborative conversations that they would need to have? Uh, uh, it's what I, what I originally uh, thought, Andy, when... I first began working overseas. I used to think, who's this little old guy from Sydney, Australia, working in New York, working in London, working in Cairo, uh, uh, working in Beijing? I think, who am I to do this? But, but then uh, what I realised was that the clients I'm working with in Australia mm -hmm. uh, are the same people I'm working with in China oh. or in Dallas. Okay. They're the same people with the same problem. Like, just say, for example, uh, I happen to be working with with uh, with Microsoft in in Australia. I'm working with a sales team there, and they're working with their clients. Those same those salespeople in New York with mm -hmm. their clients had the same problem that people in Sydney had with their clients. Okay. It's the same problem. Yeah, the same problem. So, uh, if you're good at understanding and solving the customers or the client's problem mm -hmm. in your geography mm -hmm. and you get the best at that, you can do it anywhere in the world. Okay. Anywhere, because it's the same people with the same problem. Just like say, for example, if I buy a pair of Nike runners and I'm in Sydney, Australia, there could be a guy in Los Angeles with the same runners uh, or, or the, a guy in Cairo with the same runners because he's looking to solve the same running problem or sports problem I have, I am. Globe, uh, the, the reason brands work globally and you are a brand, the reason they work globally, it's the same consumers and same customers with the same problem that brand is solving. Okay. So you can work anywhere in the, you can work anywhere in the world. Of course, there are language barriers. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I've, I've worked in Shanghai, I've run workshops and every word I say is completely translated. Okay. I've run workshops with people that can't even speak English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's a bizarre experience yeah, yeah. having an interpreter alongside you. I met my interpreter and I said, so how does this work? She says, well, you're going to say a couple of words and I'm going to interpret. I said, a couple of words? Wow. I'm a guy that talks in paragraphs, not words, right? And she was translating every single word. Okay. It was bizarre. So uh, uh, what I would suggest is if you can solve your client's problem where you are, you can solve it anywhere in the world. Okay, great. Great. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing, Peter. Yeah. Uh, sure. How has this experience and, and 
the information that you have gathered assiduously over the years, how has this helped you in your personal relationships and, and develop collaborative conversations and I guess collaborative relationships with people in your circle, whether it be personal or business or otherwise? It has it it improved, improved my life uh, dramatically, Andy. Uh, and uh, it, it proved it, it improved it, uh, I guess, on two levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is financially, obviously, because it, right. it's a it's a uh, it's a, a, a way of of living uh, that it has supported uh, me and uh, five children okay. for over twenty years. So right. definitely, definitely work financially. Uh-huh. But I, I think I think that there is there is also like almost a spiritual sense to this too. Uh, because uh, the world has never been more polarized. Mm. Uh, we've never we've never talked to each other less. Apple research yeah. since 1996 is suggesting uh, th- they research how often people are using their phones to have conversations. The number of conversations and length of conversations has fallen every year since 1996. Wow. We're talking to each other less, and the Pew research out of the US suggests that. We've never been more polarized. We've never been less likely to change change our point of view, and this is really concerning yes. because par- parallel to that's a rise in anxiety and stress. We're less happy, more stressed, more anxious than ever before, and talking to each other less. So, what I feel like is I'm almost like a a conversational evangelist. Say, hey, let's talk to each other more and collaborate more and make the world a better place for all of us just one conversation at a time. Um, yeah. And I genuinely believe that this, this is the secret sauce. Okay. Which, which is why I'm so animated. I love this stuff, Andy. I love <laughs> getting on podcasts like yours uh-huh. and remind getting people to remember, to remember we are human beings that are hardwired. It's the essence of our evolution, our evolutionary spirit. Yeah to have conversations with each other and build relationships by way of conversation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, great. Have you have you had the opportunity to work with nonprofit organizations as well? Yes. In terms yes. of getting their people to collaborate and being on the same page and, and just working on collaborative measures to improve their conversations, their communication, and by extension, yes. the way they put their service and their products out there to the people. Absolutely. In more recent years, I've worked with uh, seven large uh, not-for-profits. Uh, I won't say who they are, but uh, one right. of them is a, it, it is the most six, a, a huge global international charity. Yeah, and I've also I've also worked with 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 smaller uh, smaller local ones mm-hmm. now, and I work with them in two ways. I get them to have better, more effective conversations with their large donors. Okay, because th- th- there are there are wealthy individuals in the world that are individual mm-hmm. donors, and one donor can help cure a disease. I was working ah. uh, with one or, one organization recently that only needed three million dollars to cure a childhood disease in Asia. Wow. Uh, and they did it for one person, but they were afraid to talk to them in okay. case they mucked it up. Uh-huh. So we talked about how to have collaborative conversations with donors uh, and also how to, to pitch their message to big corporate donors, to how to tell the story of who they were and who they were serving so that they, they could pitch the message better. 
it's tremendously worthwhile work because what I find is that people that work in not-for-profit sectors, mm-hmm. they're tremendously uh, good human beings in terms of wanting to, to improve the world, but, they, but they're afraid to share that message. Ah. So, yeah. so if, if I can be the guy that helps them do that, mm-hmm. bingo, even okay. more magic. Okay, great. Yeah, so even, Peter, even more magic. Right. So I'm going to share something with you as you spoke about uh, sharing stories. And I want to get your feedback on it because when I listened to it first, I realized it was so direct and precise. So let's hear what you have to say. Hey, this is Peter Anthony and talking to you as professional marketers in senior roles and thinking, well, you are the CEO, you are the chief emotion officer in your organisation because you own the brands. And when you think of your role as chief emotion officer, the best tool you have at your disposal is stories and using stories to really maximise that brand footprint, both internally and externally. But how valuable are stories? Now, when I think about the value of stories, the best story I can think of is one of Robert Walker and his significant object study. What he did was something really interesting. He went to various thrift stores in the US and bought 200 random items, everything from a plastic banana right through to a ceramic horse's head. And he bought these items for a total of $197. Then he did something really interesting. He asked colleagues of his, fellow journalists and writers, to write stories about each of these items. So he had the story, he had the item, then he sold the items on eBay, the item along with the story. And what he found was he sold those items for a total of over $8,000. So it went from $197 right through to over $8,000. And you could say that difference was the difference the story made. So we know stories have real commercial value. And as marketers, it's incumbent upon you to really emotionally engage with internal and external audiences on your brands. So why don't we tell more stories? In our personal lives, it's estimated we spend about 70% of our time telling stories, listening to stories, telling stories, watching movies, watching Netflix or Stan, our favourite shows. But when we get to work, less than 10% of the time we spend telling stories. So why is that so? Now, when I ask that question, of <laughs> Yeah, so... Wow, that's a blast from the past. Exactly. That video. <laughs> so tell us about it because I found it really intriguing. And I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of CEOs, but they never seem to understand the gist of what you're saying. But it's so powerful and practical, especially when you look at the percentages. Yeah? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And another example you could think of is Shark Tank. You think, well, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Shark Tank, of the people pitching to the sharks win over, but 80% of them tell stories. And and you'll see later in that video, uh, I I content analysed many of these videos looking at how they tell stories. Now, uh, the reason reason stories work uh, is that there's an idea called narrative transportation. Okay. And this idea is like you you can imagine... uh, when you're watching a movie, you you get immersed in it. You feel like what's happening in the movie. I mean, one of the best movies I saw recently was the second Top Gun movie with, with Tom Cruise, a Maverick. And 
you get immersed in the movie. You feel you feel the thrill, that adventure. You get scared when you're watching those aircraft flying up up mountains. Now, when you're telling a story or you're pitching with a story, the people that you're talking to get transported into that story. Yes. And for a while, their their belief is being suspended. So it's much easier then to insert your message. Yeah. Plus, until like as recently as 1700, when Gutenberg invented the printing press, mm-hmm. we had we had everything we learned was by way of oral traditions and sto- and stories. Yeah. That's how we learned things. So yeah. we are uh, we are beings that that are uh, very comfortable in our in our DNA hearing things by way of stories. Now. I mentioned in the video, in our personal lives, we hear and watch stories all the time. We come to work and become robots and put PowerPoint on. <laughs> now, it's really, it's, uh, and I say to my clients, I say, look, can I, I'll say, give me a pitch, show me. And I've done this with NFPs. I've done it with, with every industry sector you can think of. I say, look, show me a pitch. Uh-huh. And they'll, show, they'll open a PowerPoint deck, they'll pitch it to me, and I'll say, look, can I be honest with you, Andy? And they'll say, yeah. And I say, look, it's boring and confusing. Uh, and it's really hard to bore and confuse somebody into agreeing with you. And if in doubt, they just add more PowerPoint. Right. And, and using a PowerPoint deck is like watching a ship sink. It's like that. It, it's watching it just dive. I think so. Let's translate your message into a story where, where the, the, the customer or the, uh, is the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a typical movie or a typical story, you'll get introduced to the, the hero. In, in Top Gun's case, it was it was Maverick. Yeah. You introduce the hero, you like the hero, and the, and the hero wants something, right? Just like your customer wants something. But there's something that gets in the way. There's a reason they can't have it. And every story follows the same format. Introduced to a hero, introduced to what they want, just like you want something, but there's a reason that's getting in your way, but you still want it, right? Yeah. So the story is about when you translate your pitch into a story, it's about saying, hey, here's what you want or here's what your customers want. Here's why they want it. And you're demonstrating a unique understanding of their needs and their environment. And that's the number one marker when you look at customer research. Customers say, the main thing I want from you is for you to uniquely understand my needs in my environment. Great. You got the got the customer, you got the unique needs, uh, which you got from the collaborative conversations you had earlier. Now you can pitch it with a story. And that's the story. Here's the hero, here's the customer, here's what they want, but and a big but, here's why they can't have it. Let's now explore how that journey or story might continue with us helping you achieve what you're looking for. That's the story. Right? Yeah. And, and you don't need slides to do that because you know your story. And if you don't, you should quit, right? <laughs> yeah. You must know your story because yeah. if you've got no confidence in your story and, and you need 100 slides in 20 minutes to tell it, why should they have more confidence than you? Yeah. Why should yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to be more confident than you want them to be. So, like, I'm not using notes and PowerPoint to talk to you, am I? I didn't say, hi, Andy, let me just flip my PowerPoint. I'm walking <laughs> through 10 points on each slide. Did I? Of course not. No, no, no. Of course not. I mean, if I was running a workshop, I might use some slides to keep it on track. But you know what? In two-day workshops, you know how many slides I use, Andy? Three. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> three slides, right? <laughs> three slides. That's all. Not, yeah. not because I'm a genius, because I'm not, but because it works. Yeah. It you works. And what, what, what I find is uh -huh. the worse the facilitator is, the more slides they use. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. it I'm anti-slides. I'm anti-power. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, it reminds me of a, a story I read about the late great Mahatma Gandhi. Um, yeah. When he had the opportunity to go before the British Parliament, he spoke for about two hours with regards to the independence of his nation, of course, India. And the amazing thing about it is that during that period of time, there was not a single piece of note in front of him on the podium. So yeah. after he was finished, they wanted to in interview him. You know, the British press is all there and so on. But he was so tired that his assistant decided, okay, I'm going to answer the questions. And the first question was, how could Mr. Gandhi speak for so long, just about two hours, no speech, no notes, nothing in front of him, no prompters, nothing. He said, yeah, yeah. what Mr. Gandhi did was spoke from the heart. And when it yes. comes from yeah. the heart... You don't need no assistance. You just tell it like it is because it is your truth. And I feel that's so powerful. That, and you, you, yeah. you support that theory by your methods that you use. I mean, three slides and you spent, what, two hours doing a... Two days. Yeah. No, no, three slides in two days. Yeah. And it, I, mean, I mean, the beginning of that video you just showed, Andy, it said... And this is what I tell my CEO clients. You are the chief emotion officer. Your voice is amplified in the organization. Right. And people are watching you and amplifying you and magnifying you. Mm -hmm. So you need to emotionally engage with them. Right. And the best way, you, you need to tell stories about who you are, mm -hmm. who you are as a leader, what's important to you, who they are in terms of the, the the organization, the brand, the people in the company, mm -hmm. and who the customers are, and how how we as an organization are creating a unique relationship with them. We right. are uniquely valuable to them. That is our brand. That is who we are, and that's our brand story. And you, as the CEO, that's your job. That is your job, and that is. That is your overwhelmingly important job to be led by you because what you want to do as a CEO is generate followership and people will follow you if they can resonate with the story. Yeah. So you better get good at telling it and not show me PowerPoint slides, right? Excellent. Tell me the story. And yeah. The best CEOs I meet are really good at doing that. Okay, great. They're really good at doing that. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. We have had such a, a power pack past 30 minutes or so. And I really want to thank Peter for being on the show at this time. But I, I need to ask him two more questions. Sure. Uh, <laughs> the first one is, what is the future like for Peter Anthony? Are there any upcoming projects to improve, increase, or you know, innovate on the level of collaboration that you'd want people to have? with regards to conversations and so on? Uh, well, I'm doing it right now, Andy. The, the, what I'm doing now is I decided last year on the advice of a friend to get more involved in podcasting, which I wasn't uh -huh. involved in at all, apart from a, like a, a listener. Uh, so now I've, uh, I've, be, I've begun becoming a, a guest podcaster. And fortunately, 
uh, the, the, the service that I use, I've become uh, number uh, the top one of the top ten guests out of ten thousand people on this on this platform. Right now, that's not because I'm a genius; it's because the message is so important. Right? Yeah, yeah. Out of ten thousand guests in four months, I became one of the I became top ten. Right, Excellent. that's because the message is is resonating. So I'm the, the next leg of my journey is to become better at communicating this message with you mm -hmm. uh, and and with your listeners, so that I, I can I, I can get the message out more. All right. Uh, the the other thing other thing I'm doing is I'm writing a book on storytelling. I've done the book ah. on collaborative conversations. Yeah. Yeah. The next, uh, the the problem I've got though is I keep rewriting it. My editor saying, <laughs> "Stop rewriting it. Just <laughs> just like keep adding out. things in." Yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. saying, "No." She said, "No, no, 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 no more, no more. That's about <laughs> forty thousand words, ten chapters. You're going to stop. You're going to quit." Yeah, yeah. But I keep revising it, adding more stories, adding more insights in. But that that's two things: keeping up the podcasting message, getting this message of collaboration out, and getting the the second book happening, which is. Uh, all about strategic storytelling. Great, which, wonderful. Which is my other passion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, Peter, you have been so engaging and so honest. I, I can tell you're passionate about what you're doing, and that's extremely important. So before we go, I just want you to share your social hashtag handles with people. Tell them how they can get <laughs> how they can get your professional services. I know there are a lot of people out there that would need to get your information and probably they want to get it directly from you, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. How can people make <laughs> On the horse. Yeah. Magical <laughs> one, too. <laughs> a, 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 mag a magical, a magical, like a unicorn, a magical horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, you can find me, the best way to find me, just type in Peter Anthony Consulting. Peter Anthony Consulting into your search engine. You'll find my website. You'll find my YouTube. You'll find my Facebook. Or, or you can also find my book. It's called Collaboradabra. It okay. rhymes with abracadabra because it's the mm -hmm. it's the magic of collaborative conversations. Yeah. And just reach out, text me, email me. I'm happy to help you, talk to you. We can Zoom. Uh, I'd love to hear your story and see uh, whether we can collaborate and I can help you achieve your outcomes. I'd, I'd love exactly. to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you yeah. so much. So, folks, we have, sure. yeah, we have been in the presence of this genius, I would call him. <laughs> genius. Wow. Yes. I, I use the term genius, not lightly, but because of the fact that you seem to have remained consistent. And when I ask you about what, you, you know, what happened in your personal life with regards to what you are sharing there was this genuine discourse. And what it tells me is that before you actually began to get this information out, you experience it yourself. And that's yes. really, really powerful. And that's important. Yeah. So, yeah, genius. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So remember, folks, to stay tuned on Andy's personal development. This is our mother podcast, The Breakout Room. And we have been given a lot of information by the man, Peter Anthony, with regards to collaborative conversations. Remember, our webinar coming up on the 6th of March, Monday, the 6th of March, 2023. Register for it. It's entitled The Power to Overcome. We're going to deal with so much information that will give you the vital tools to improve on your self-confidence, your level of belief, and your ability to manage withdrawal 
anxiety, and burnout. So visit the website at www.andyspersonaldevelopment.com and register for that upcoming webinar in the month of March, the 6th of March, 2023, beginning at 10 a.m. AST time. It's called The Power to Overcome. And so we want you to overcome the lack of communication you have by enjoying the magic of collaborative con conversation. So go out there and get the book, Collaboradabra by Peter Anthony. Visit the website and get all the information. Until then, this is Andy and Peter saying so long. God bye, bye. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. <laughs> Health, happiness, and prosperity. Continue to seek that, people all the time. Bye for now.